0: Hi everyone. Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of thyroid physiology found under the endocrine section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with an introduction to thyroid physiology. As a reminder, the thyroid produces hormones that contain iodine. Also remember that T4 is converted to active T3 and inactive reverse T3 in peripheral tissue. T3 is more potent than T4 and reverse T3 is inactive. In a more general sense, the thyroid controls the body's metabolic rate. Now let's discuss the functions of T3 in more detail. This can be remembered by the six Bs. This stands for brain maturation, bone growth, increase in beta adrenergic receptors, increase in basal metabolic rate, increase in blood glucose, and breakdown of lipids, or increase in lipolysis. Now let's discuss the synthesis of thyroid hormones. They are synthesized in the thyroid gland and stored in follicles. Also remember that thyroid peroxidase catalyzes the oxidation, organification, and coupling steps. T4 is converted to reverse T3 via 5'-diodonase, which removes an iodine from the inner ring of T4. And T4 is converted to T3 in peripheral tissues via 5 diiodinase, which removes an iodine from the outer ring of T4. This step is inhibited by steroids, beta blockers, and propylthiouracil. Now let's discuss the regulation of thyroid hormones. Let's begin by discussing the production of thyroid hormones. Remember that thyrotropin-releasing hormone is released from the hypothalamus, which stimulates thyroid-stimulating hormone release from the pituitary gland. TSH then stimulates thyroid follicular cells to produce T3 and T4. Also remember that in cases of papillary thyroid carcinoma, patients are often treated with levothyroxine after thyroidectomy such that TSH levels are suppressed in order to prevent TSH stimulation of any remaining malignant cells. Now let's discuss the negative feedback loop. Remember that free T3 and T4 cause a decrease in TRH secretion, which decreases sensitivity of the pituitary to TRH. And lastly, remember that bound T3 and T4 are inactive, so thyroxine binding globulin, or TBG, binds to T3 and T4, making them inactive. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to thyroid physiology, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 53-year-old man presents to the clinic with a slowly enlarging non-tender mass in his right anterior neck. He reports no dysphagia, difficulty breathing, or changes to his voice. He also denies heat intolerance, palpitations, tremors, or diarrhea, and is otherwise healthy. On presentation, his temperature is 37.1 degrees Celsius, or 98.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Blood pressure is 130 over 84. Pulse is 86 beats per minute. Respirations are 12 breaths per minute. And oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. Bedside ultrasound reveals a 1 by 2 centimeter hypoechoic nodule with microcalcifications in the right thyroid lobe. This is biopsied, and pathology demonstrates round, concentrically laminated calcifications. What is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are choice 1, levothyroxine, choice 2, methimazole, choice 3, radioactive iodine, choice 4, repeat ultrasound in 6 months, or choice 5, thyroidectomy followed by radioactive iodine. The best answer to this question is choice 5, thyroidectomy followed by radioactive iodine. This patient who presents with a slowly enlarging neck mass has ultrasound findings such as hypoechoic nodule with microcalcifications and histology findings such as concentrically laminated calcifications which are also called somoma bodies. This is all consistent with papillary thyroid carcinoma. The most appropriate next step in management would be thyroidectomy followed by radioactive iodine ablation. Papillary thyroid carcinoma represents the majority of malignant thyroid cancers. It is slow-growing and is found in the hormone-producing follicular cells of the thyroid. Typically, patients are asymptomatic and the thyroid tumors are found incidentally on other imaging, such as carotid ultrasound or computed tomography of the head and neck. Risk factors for thyroid malignancy include a history of radiation exposure, nodules with minimal uptake on radioactive iodine scan, female sex, positive family history, Firm and fixed solitary nodules, and rapidly growing nodules with associated hoarseness. Findings on histology include empty appearing nuclei with central clearing, somoma bodies, and nuclear grooves. The treatment is thyroidectomy followed by radioactive iodine ablation of any remaining thyroid cells. Long term care should include levothyroxine at a dose sufficient to suppress TSH release that may stimulate any remaining malignant cells let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, levothyroxine would be the treatment of choice in hypothyroidism and is important in the long-term care of papillary thyroid carcinoma to suppress the TSH release that may stimulate any remaining malignant cells after surgical treatment. However, it would be appropriate in this clinical scenario only after thyroidectomy and radioactive iodine treatment. Choice two, methimazole is an agent that blocks thyroid peroxidase thus inhibiting the synthesis of thyroid hormones. It is used in the treatment of hyperthyroidism and does not have a role in the treatment of papillary thyroid carcinoma. Choice 3. Radioactive iodine is used as an adjunct after thyroidectomy in the treatment of papillary thyroid carcinoma in order to target any thyroid cells that may remain even after surgical excision. Surgery is the primary therapy for papillary thyroid carcinoma. Radioactive iodine is the primary method of therapy in cases of Graves hyperthyroidism, toxic adenoma, or multinodular goiter. Choice four, repeating an ultrasound in six months to assess the growth of the nodule or development of suspicious characteristics is an appropriate form of management in cases where the ultrasound and biopsy findings are consistent with the benign thyroid nodule. The ultrasound findings of hypoechogenicity, microcalcifications, hypervascularity, and taller-than-wide nodules suggest malignancy. And together with the biopsy consistent with thyroid malignancy, this would warrant surgical treatment with subsequent radioactive iodine ablation. Finally, a bullet summary. Papillary thyroid carcinoma often presents as a slowly growing and painless mass that is incidentally found on exam or imaging, in the most appropriate course of treatment is thyroidectomy, followed by radioactive iodine ablation and long-term levothyroxine to suppress thyroid-stimulating hormone stimulation of any remaining malignant cells. That's all for this review about thyroid physiology. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on medbullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the medbullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the medbullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the Med Bullet Step Two and Three podcast.